0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamoliti.
2: What we're seeing is that kids aren't learning to cook anymore, right? And 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 it's at no fault of theirs. We live this busy, busy lifestyle. You know, learning to cook um, at a young age has so many benefits, right? And. Rather than just talk to them about Canada's Food Guide, we could get them right in the kitchen and start really being interactive and experiential with them.
1: You know, kids need to see where their food comes from, what broccoli is, and when I buy lettuce, that it has dirt on it. I think that's really important that children know where food comes from. And so that's why I really like going to the farmer's markets and having that be like a whole family affair.
0: That's Lucy Below and Joy McCarthy. Joy is an author and blogger who joined us on the show a few weeks ago. Lucy is a public health nutritionist with York Region. And in this mashup episode, we're going to be exploring how to get your kids excited about cooking and how you can get more involved in teaching them about food. But first, I want to introduce you to a few friends I met at the W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind. Guess want to do on the count of three. That'll be fine. So on the count of three, what I want you to do is just using the rolling pin is just beat down on the chicken breast, basically. And is we're gonna crazy. try and flatten yes, it. This, this is a great stress oh, reliever. Oh, like yeah. 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 Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's extreme. Okay, oh. well, we're gonna go oh, okay. a, a little lighter. A little lighter. <laughs> not that angry, not that angry, yeah. There you go. Okay, Marcus. Okay.
2: Oh, look at
0: Marcus. this. Oh, oh. Emma needs a little more. Oh, come on. <laughs> a little harder, Marcus. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and, and, and stop. Let's, let's see what we got, <laughs> to do is feel over top yeah. and to, to kind of get an idea I as kinda how big. I kind of feel fit. like Marcus and Emma need a little uh, help from F- Fatlim over there.
2: <laughs> so remember,
0: we're making fajitas, so we want to cut those little uh, fajita-sized right. pieces. To your tortilla. earlier this year i traveled to Brantford, ontario to w ross mcdonald along with my sous chef husband frank and assistant slash sister pat to give the students there a cooking class we led them through a couple of recipes they could make at home it was a great experience for me as well i mean i remember leaving there with a full heart, and an overwhelming sense of empowerment. These young chefs taught me what it really means to be fearless, to trust your instincts, and never take yourself too seriously. Even when you mix up the cooking times, Miss Osmond. I'm just kidding. You know we love you. Joy McCarthy is also someone who is really excited about teaching kids healthy habits. She
1: wrote a mini-series called Little Food Lovers, so little food lovers is really, I want to help parents raise little food lovers. I want to help parents raise kids who love food, who, you know, who, because I feel like it's such like a challenge for parents getting their kids to eat vegetables yes. and getting them to eat green foods and, you know, getting the right balance of protein, carbs, and fats. And, you know, all that's fine and great to get your kids to eat vegetables, but you want your kids to actually like the taste of food. So I've created recipes that are with the best ingredients possible that taste really, really great. Like I learned myself being a mom. Like I remember when I was introducing broccoli to Vienna and my daughter's name is Vienna and I would just like steam it and then give it to her. And she would be like, uh, not into this. And I was always like, why isn't she like steamed broccoli? And then I'm like thinking to myself, do I eat steamed broccoli? Uh, No, (laughs) I like broccoli (laughs) roasted with olive oil and lots of sea salt. So... (laughs) So then I started to like think more from the perspective of like, well, what what foods do I like? Mm-hmm. And then I, I changed things up a bit and started preparing foods um, how I would eat them and seeing what she thought of them. And she liked them a lot better. And then we also have to remember with children, sometimes, you know, some people don't like mushrooms. And some kids, they're, they're people too. And, you know, there's foods that they're just not going to like. And that's okay. So I think sometimes parents get so stressed out about their kids not liking chickpeas or not liking hummus, They're allowed to have choice and and not like certain foods. So anyways, it's an ebook series that I've been creating. I have, so far I've done Raising Healthy Snackers, which is totally free. It's a free guide, you can just go and download it. I have another one launching um, very soon in the next couple of weeks and we're gonna charge $10 for it and half of it is gonna go to charity. Uh, And the other half is just basically paying for all of our time because it takes months of development and whatnot, putting together these uh, amazing eBooks. So that one is really focused on helping parents create better lunches for their kids.
0: You mentioned that healthy snacks are just as important as planning meals. Why?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, if you have no plan, then you're not going to be organized and you're going to be scrambling at the last second to figure out what you should, what you should have either for yourself or what you should give your child as a snack. And more often than not, when you don't have a plan, then that's when you're reaching for the junk food or all the packaged foods. Now we're lucky nowadays that there are some good packaged foods when you need something, you know, in a pinch, you know, there's certain like granola bars that I keep stocked in my house because I think it's just like a thing, like four-year-olds and five-year-olds after school is like, they're hangry and ravenous. Yes. So just grabbing something. (laughs) So I think having a plan is key doesn't mean necessarily that you have to like meal plan your whole week. Mm -hmm. I know some people love that and I don't personally do that myself. So I'm not a nutritionist who's out there saying, you need to have your whole meal plan for your week. I think you have to figure out what works for your family. Um, I would say when you grocery shop though, have in mind the meals that you want to make for the week and have in mind what you need to get for snacks. What's the key to a good quality snack? Uh, I think you got to make sure you've got fat and protein and carbs. So good fats children need for brain health. And what I'm saying applies to both kids and adults as well. Um, So we need fat because fat is so satiating, right? When we eat something that has fat in it, this turns off the hunger hormones because the gut will send signals to the brain to say, I'm full when there's actually fat in the gut. So if you are eating a meal of pure carbs. Say you're eating uh, white pasta with a really nice like marinara sauce. Mm-hmm. If you don't have protein and you don't have fat, it's not going to be satiating at all, and your brain is going to be saying, "Eat more, eat more." So fat and protein are so key for energy metabolism, for blood sugar balance, so to stave off sugar cravings and carb cravings. And so I think you know a lot of times. People focus so much on getting the protein and getting the fat that they think that carbs are bad, but they're not. They're one of three very essential macronutrients. And we need carbs because when we don't have carbs, then also that can prevent our gut from feeling full because oftentimes carbs are rich in fiber. And we're talking about complex carbs, right? Yes, complex carbs, fruits, vegetables, brown rice instead of white rice, You know, um, sprouted whole wheat pasta instead of white pasta, So, uh, yeah, there's so many delicious complex carbs out there. You want to make sure that your snack has a balance of all of them. So an example of that could be something, you know, as simple as if you were going to eat an apple, you know, have it with some nut butter. It'd be so much more balancing. Yes. An apple is a really great snack with lots of vitamins and minerals, but it's probably, it may even actually stimulate your appetite. So just slathering that with a little bit of almond butter, going to make a huge, huge difference. Something else I love doing, like I love like roasting a chicken. And you know, when I get home from the office, if I'm like really starving, I love just like ripping a piece of chicken off the roast and like having that as a quick snack because you got protein and fat, very satiating. Olives are a great snack because they have that fat. Fat and protein take longer to digest than carbohydrates. So that's why if you just eat a bag of chips you are just craving more food it's just there's no sustenance in it if you are going to have your chips then dip those chips in the hummus and you'll eat much less of them and feel way more satisfied
0: there are so many restrictions with children you know be it a picky eater yes uh, allergies um, even if your child doesn't have any allergies some of the things are banned from schools so how do you even start to approach a guide like this while you know maintaining healthy and creative lunches and snacks.
1: Yeah, it can be tricky to navigate and I think you just have to be creative. And I think, you know, as a nutritionist, that's one thing I'm always really trying to teach people. Like for example, you know, peanut butter is not allowed in schools. Of course not, because you know, for some children, that could be a death sentence for them. But there are other options. Like there's a brand called Sun Butter, which is actually certified peanut free. It tastes and smells like peanut butter. And your kids honestly are not even going to know the difference. It's just as delicious. So, you know, especially when it comes to making like raw energy balls, or if you're making like a PB and jam sandwich on your like Silver Hill sprouted bread, like you could use sun butter. And it's just as yummy as like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I used to take to school when I was a kid. Um, But then, you know, there are lots of benefits to nuts, lots of health benefits to almonds and walnuts. So I think saving those kinds of snacks Uh, For home time um, is a good thing to do. But yeah, it it can be really tricky as a parent trying to navigate all these food sensitivities. But you know, lots of kids nowadays have dairy allergies. But the nice thing is, you know, in, you know, in, in, we don't have to worry about that so much anymore because we have coconut yogurt, we have almond yogurt, we have cashew yogurt. Like there's so many options um, for us nowadays that if you do have a, you know, a food sensitivity, it's, it's like so easy to navigate. Why is it so important to prepare meals with your kids? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I totally like glazed over that. Cooking with your kids and togetherness is so key because there is oodles of research that shows that when you are with your kids in the kitchen, when they help you cut the carrots, uh, when you sit down together to share a meal, kids are more likely to make healthy choices. And when you establish this healthy foundation, and that's actually never too late. So whether you have a three-year-old or you have a 13-year-old, it's not too late. But establishing these health habits is research proven to create healthier adults. So, you know, establishing these patterns as a child, your child is more likely to grow up into an adult who likes roasted broccoli and cauliflower with some <laughs> sea salt and olive oil. It's just so good for both of you. I mean, even for like grown-ups, even for us as adults, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you know, as a chef, like. When you prepare your own food, you just have better awareness of what's going in your own food, and you're more likely to to make better choices. So, the 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 essence of Little Food Lovers isn't just like that, giving people great recipes. It's also like really encouraging parents to um, teach their kids about food, and teaching not meaning like, did you know that you know broccoli is rich in sulforaphane? Yeah. It's not about that. It's about you know just being with them in the kitchen and being together and and creating positive um, feelings around food. I actually don't even go to big box grocery stores for anything anymore. I go to my farmer's market every Monday. So I just go after I pick my daughter up from school Mm -hmm. and we go like all throughout the year. I think with kids, it's just so good to be like, they, they need to see where their food comes from. You know, kids need to see, um, What broccoli is, and you Mm -hmm. know when they buy when when I buy lettuce that it has dirt on it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, I think that's really important that children know where food comes from, and so that's why I really like going to the farmers markets and having that be like a whole family affair. I think also for adults who feel a bit disconnected from food and don't know what to eat and feel very confused and are just kind of stuck in that diet mentality. My advice for to these people is you need to go to a farmer's market. You need to, you know, Saturday morning, spend two hours, just go walk around and just like absorb yourself in that culture, talk to people. Like it's just, I really feel it can help people establish a better relationship with food.
0: I'm Mary Mammoliti and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast.
1: Today, we're talking kids in the
0: kitchen and how you can get more involved with their food education. I know some of you may not like touching the food or getting in there. Uh, I can already tell, the faces are happening. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But that's the best way to know and to get to know and get familiar with your food. I mean, cooking is love, so you touch your food, we love it. we're We're gonna convert you. Lucy Velo who you heard earlier is a public health nutritionist with York Region. She helps coordinate a really special program
2: called You're the Chef. A You're the Chef program. It's a great program that we have at uh, at the region. Uh, we began You're the Chef about 13 years ago. It's a train-the-trainer program. We actually train uh, adults, parents, uh, teachers, even parks and recreation uh, leaders, like camp leaders, to run the program in their school or their community organization. We suggest like a minimum of four weeks, once a week after school. Really, in an effort to help children increase the amount of vegetables and fruit that they're um, eating, right? By learning to cook simple, healthy recipes, this is a way that we could try to encourage them to eat more in a fun, kind of interactive way. You know, learning to cook um, at a young age has so many benefits, right? And rather than just talk to them about Canada's Food Guide, we could get them right in the kitchen and start really being interactive and experiential with them and teach them, you know, different food skills so that they, um, these are life skills for them. It helps them be healthy and independent and, and connect with family and friends. There's different themes we concentrate on, you know, having a theme on breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and then at the very end, kind of planning a party, really trying to think about all that they've learned over the four or five weeks and put it all together into a bit of a party. No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I love
0: that. Do the volunteers have to have any culinary background?
2: No, they don't. They come and I mean, they all have such rich experience already because they're adults. Mm -hmm. So we try to leverage or build on that what they have. But the training that we provide is is fairly in depth. It's a four hour training that they come free. We cover the logistics of how to run the program and work with kids. We cover food safety. Uh, so by the end of it, they will have prepared probably about 10 of the recipes that we include in You're the Chef, so they get a sense of the type of recipe that we're including. They hear from a health inspector, and health inspector come and, comes and does a portion of the program. And then they learn about you know uh, Canada's Food Guide, and all of the recipes that we include in the program are very, very simple recipes that all include vegetables and fruit. So when we choose recipes for the program, we want to make sure that uh, all kids can will be able to prepare those recipes when they go home. They're low cost. They don't cost a lot of money. They don't require any fancy equipment. So there's no recipes with instant pots or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we teach the leaders, you know, how to squeeze a lemon without using a special piece of equipment, or how to use a knife to mince garlic, as opposed to getting a garlic press, all those things to prevent any barriers from children being able to do this at home.
0: Okay, so then the next question comes because the children are actually cooking these meals. Yeah. So how old is old enough to trust the kids or the, with the more dangerous elements of the kitchen? Yes.
2: I mean, I encourage kids to get in the kitchen from when they can start to walk, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you're the chef, we're we're gearing it for grades um, five to eight, and the recipes that we choose are based on kind of their abilities. But every child is at a different stage, right? Mm -hmm. Some children have never cooked before, and so we kind of have to match the skills where their ability is at. But we teach them how to use a sharp knife. They can be using a sharp knife as long as they're taught how to use it and, and hold it properly and all the safety issues that come along with that. But we want to build their confidence. Why
0: is You're the Chef so important?
2: Well, what we're seeing is that kids aren't learning to cook anymore, right? And, and, and it's at no fault of theirs. We live, live this busy, busy lifestyle. You know, highly processed foods are everywhere and cooking isn't being taught in the school like it used to be. Um, we're not eating together with our families like we used to, especially in elementary school. There's, there's very little cooking, if any, at all. And then in high school, unless you take a course that includes food, they're optional. So there is no required course. So we're not spending as much time grocery shopping and cooking like we did as you know, we're busy. Food skills are not being passed down. You know, Back in the day, about eight out of 10 kids would see their parents cooking. But now it's more like four out of 10 will see their parents cooking. So the shift from eating home-cooked meals to eating more processed and, you know, pre-packaged meals. And so our kids aren't learning about food. They're not learning where it comes from, how it's grown or how to prepare it. And so their diets tend to be low in vegetables and fruit and higher in fat and salt and sugar. And that all increases our risk for chronic disease and, and it impacts our, our well-being, our mental health as well, right? Oh, absolutely. So it's really important if they learn to cook, it's a life skill it brings people together, it, um, it can be uh, uh, less expensive, it can save time and, and it's even better for the environment, right? We're not relying on packaged foods. And we teach the kids about the importance of reducing food waste and uh, choosing local food. Yeah,
0: Yeah, building self esteem, confidence. Exactly,
2: exactly. And that's all part of food literacy, right? Kids aren't as food literate as we want them to be. And, and food literacy is kind of like the scaffolding that helps people to plan and prepare and, and eat healthy foods. And it helps us navigate this food system that we were surrounded by.
0: I mean, there are so many reasons why I love this program. But one of them is it allows the student and the child to use the creative side of their brain. Yeah. Yeah. Don't use that enough now because we're, we're always into our electronics. We're always into, you know, everything other than using that creativity.
2: No, for sure. And it, it's so exciting to be able to actually go and see the schools run the program themselves because it really gives us an idea of how it's being run in the school. But you see these kids and they're excited and so proud of what they've made and they're Mm -hmm. so proud to offer that right and and so as you say it builds this confidence and they feel good about what they've done and and often it attracts kids that maybe aren't in the track and field team or on the volleyball team and they come after school and do this it really builds that social connectedness to the school as well so it's a really neat program where is this program available well, in, we do it here in York Region, but uh, many other health units have taken the program um, from York and have adapted to meet their uh, local needs in their communities. So it runs very similar. So most health units are, are offering the program now. What do they need to to actually run this program? So, they need a, a, at least one trained uh, volunteer or teacher to run the program. They need a space. So, generally, most schools will run it in their staff room. They'll work with the principal to identify a day, one day a week after school that they can run it. Uh, they need to have access to a sink, two sinks, preferably for food safety reasons, a fridge to store their food. But really, I mean, you can cook anywhere. You can really make it work. So, as long as there's a space, we set up uh, tables so kids can work together um, in groups. Uh, we say a maximum of 16 kids at one time to to uh, participate in the training and we break them up into groups of four so every child has the opportunity to actually get in and cook so no one's watching they're actually that's one of the fundamentals of you're the chef is that there's hands-on opportunities to be able to cook the recipes they're they're making and they're not just watching a leader do it
0: that's easy adaptable to any school
2: Yes, there are a few fundamentals. It's definitely customizable for the school. So most schools will run it after school. Some schools will run it during the school day or over the lunch hour. Um, it, it really depends, and we leave that up to the school. But there are a few fundamentals, and that's like all the recipes, as I mentioned, need to include vegetables and fruit. They need to be simple recipes, available ingredients found at any major grocery store, right, local when possible, um, reasonably priced culturally diverse. We have a recipe collection that we provide at the training to the leaders. And all of these resources are provided to them once they've taken the training. We send them a link. We have everything electronically online on Google Docs, and then they can access anything they need to support them to run the program. Recipes are all done in 30 to 45 minutes. The skills required are really basic, uh, easy to follow. And as I mentioned earlier, there's no um, special equipment is required. Those are the real fundamentals of the program. Then we leave it up to the school to decide how, how to run it.
0: So if someone wanted to learn more about the program, get involved where can they find this information? How can they follow along? Where can they find you online?
2: Yep. So they can go to uh, the region's website uh, with the nutrition piece, which is uh, york.ca forward slash nutrition. And then if you click on nutrition in schools, there's a little tile nutrition in schools, you click on that, and then you'll see cooking in schools. And that's where we put all the information around You're the Chef, but also the dates of the training uh, you can find there. So our next training will be happening on January 20th and 22nd uh, in Richmond Hill. And that'll happen um, from 5 to 9. And the information and the registration information is all online. And again, you would just to participate, it's free, but you would need a school that you would be running this program in. That's the only requirement
0: before I let you go, I always put all my guests on the spot, and I ask them to share a little kitchen confession with
2: us. Well, I don't know if it's a confession or not. It's something that I'm really proud of, I guess. Uh, You know, my, I have two kids, and they've been cooking with me since they could walk. And um, it's always been a tradition that we make homemade pizza on Saturday nights. And so they're both long gone now at university. But when they come home, they still want to make pizza together on Saturday nights and I think, wow, you know, that's pretty great.
0: That really is. Um,
2: nothing gives me greater pleasure when they they send me a request for an old recipe and I think, wow, something did rub off. You know, they they're still cook they're cooking for their friends away at school. Okay, you must cook at home because you're so organized. No,
0: I don't. You got to be kidding me. I don't cook at home. I just cooked here. Very organized. But you see, that's the new thing, now you can. Yeah. Let's see, Emma, what do we got here? I, mean, I think it's oh, getting there, okay. I think it's perfect. You're fantastic. We're good to go. Marcus? Marcus, fantastic. Look at these guys, you guys are superstars in the kitchen. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew and I'm Mary Mammoliti. See you at the next episode.